0: You're listening to The Real Enneagram Podcast, A Spiritual Quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being.
1: Welcome back to a podcast entitled The Real Enneagram.
2: A Spiritual Quest.
1: Thank you for joining us today. As always, it's an honor that you, the listener, has taken your time to spend with us for these next few minutes. Today we have a really great podcast planned. You're listening to me, Erica Jobs, and also to the wonderful Dr. Joseph Howell. How are you, Dr. Howell?
2: I'm doing great. Just as wonderful as ever.
1: You look great. <laughs> that shirt brings out the color of your eyes. So Ah,
2: thank you. you.
1: Look nice. Well, we have a couple of special guests today. And Dr. Howell, I'm gonna let you introduce them.
2: Okay. We have Trina and Ben Mackenzie, and they are friends of mine. And I got to know them through Trina's artwork that you can find online, which is very unusual and very, very beautiful. And so they happen to live near me, and I was talking with them one day and found out that they are interested in the Enneagram. And I tuned them into this podcast and also to the book, and they were very interested. And so this last weekend, they joined us on a conference at the Gulf of Mexico. And after their experience, I thought it would be very helpful to our audience to get their thoughts and feelings on what transpired or didn't transpire or how they experienced being with the Enneagram and learning some of its uh, essential nature uh, that you can't get out of a book.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So they said, yeah, we'd be glad to join you. So welcome, guys.
1: Thank you. It's
2: good to be here.
1: Yeah, welcome. Well, Joe, it's great to know you have friends. Also, it's great to know that they agreed to join us after spending an entire weekend with us, so (laughs) that makes me feel good. You know, as an eight, I'm in the rejection stance, so I'm always assuming people are going to be like, that was terrible, so whatever, yeah. So anyway, so I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. It it makes me feel good that y'all are still speaking to us after you've spent some quality time with us. How did you enjoy the conference?
0: I think we both collectively could say that we enjoyed it. It was was edifying, not just for just it's good to be couples in places with other couples who are kind of fellow seekers. But just in terms of kind of turning another light bulb on in the basement of the dark room of the Enneagram, you kind of are able to go, aha, look at that. So when we think we talked with Joe this week about when you see it in practice, it really has a different truth than reading about it in a book.
1: Absolutely. When did you first learn about the Enneagram?
3: It's probably been about a year ago when we first heard about it. And reading the book is difficult for me. The podcasts are a little bit easier for me to to sit and listen to while I'm doing other things. You know, you relate to it. It resonates a little bit. But then when you go to the conference and you, you meet other people who seem so much like you, You know, that they're the same, the same number, if you will, the same ego type as you. And it all just resonates. And you're just like, I'm sitting at a table with five of me. Like, (laughs) it's so crazy. And it just, in real time, in real life, it's it feels so real that there's no way that you can deny, like, the reality of it. It really, it really hits home. Like, you're just like, oh okay, I get this now. This all comes together. It's like full circle makes sense for you. That it was a whole different thing.
1: Great. Well, do you mind telling us what ego type you identified with? I'm a one.
3: A one. Okay. There's and then, the one
0: mafia. <laughs> There's, it's pretty the, awesome. He,
3: keeps call, he kept calling us the one mafia. They're
0: not the in charge, but they know what you should be doing.
3: <laughs> that's so great.
1: And what about you? What ego type did you resonate with?
0: I'm a, a seven.
1: Seven. Okay, I'm great. The,
0: the cruise director of the Enneagram.
1: Okay, Awesome. Very good. So He plans to have
3: t-shirts made.
1: Of course. Of course. And yes. then a party to celebrate those t-shirts, I'm sure. Yes. So you came to the conference as a couple and just to learn a little bit more about it. And then you had a good table of ones, I understand. And then yes. you were the table of sevens. What would you say after having... Gone to a conference and having the in-person experience. What what was your biggest takeaway from it? What was your biggest aha moment, or something that you really found was something you had not realized or learned before from that setting?
0: Sure, I, I think I can speak to the sevenness of sitting down at a table and being in a room full of shiny things and glittery things to pay attention to, and your kind of distributed into all of the open windows on your desktop. And then you're sitting there with some sevens and everybody's suddenly there's like kind of a sacred yes. It's really quiet for a moment. And somebody says, tell me what your pantry looks like. And you go, yes, I have three months worth of groceries saved up. Or when I go shopping, I have to go down every aisle to look at everything. And and suddenly you're like, I do that. You know, it's like, there's just some things that we relate to. That other people would probably look at, laugh at, just, just behaviors that are kind of random to other egotypes, maybe. But to, to sevens, that perfectly makes sense. I'd, I'd hate to miss out on what's in the women's feminine hygiene product aisle, even though I'm a guy. But so we'll go down. I mean, I'm making a joke, right? But, but like, I have no legitimate reason to be in this aisle. Why am I here? Because I might miss something. Maybe there's some neat stuff here.
1: <laughs> and so. let me let me peel back the layer on that response. So you definitely felt maybe heard or understood or seen as kind of how you are as a person. What did that feel like for you?
0: It was good. I was kind of down on my ego type at that point. I'm like, sevens are the life of the party. And we go like to five, which is super boring. Desert Fathers, like, that sounds really not like a party. Like, unless there's a, a party in the desert, I really don't feel like going but what I did meet was some sevens who are integrating to five in healthy ways. And that, that actually is a party. Uh, Maybe I haven't gotten all the party favors yet, but when I really kind of get to that sacred place, that stillness of the five, you know, it's like, that is a party. It's kind of like a party, but just, with just two people. It's just kind of like you and the, and the divine. And you're just kind of in that space and that is the party and it's just fine. And that's enough. And that was really nice to see people follow along that journey, tell you that it was worth the the steps. So that was good. People who have taken the watchword of of temperance and sobriety and just kind of gone to that place where contentment is achievable and you're not distributed into a hundred things striving all the time to, to finish all of the projects simultaneously.
1: Right. I understand y'all been familiar with the Enneagram for about a year before the conference. And at the conference, we spend a lot of time talking about soul child. And you're bringing that up now, which is really great. Cause you know, we feel like the purpose of learning about the Enneagram, learning your Enneagram type is to know, you know, to know your soul point, which for you at the seven, the ego type seven, yet your soul child is at the five. And was that something you understood prior to coming to the conference?
0: It was, but I mean, I didn't understand it in those terms. Like, mm-hmm. It's something that you kind of know. That I think at the top of the tree, of, you know, there's, there's self-remembering. And if you go and revisit your soul child, there's some exercises that happen at the conference that are very helpful for that. It really frames it in a really nice way. And certainly there's kind of like a guided meditation to help you remember who that person is. Mm -hmm. And it was really good to experience that and think of the soul child. And it was good about the self-remembering of who I was as a five, that there's this person who's peaceful and calm and kind of wholly centered and content and able to sit with pain.
1: And that resonates with you.
0: And did. And and now it understands, you you almost had a brick wall with no mortar. (laughs) And so you kind of, now I have language to describe kind of that space that you just, you know, it's, you almost don't have the language, you know, English is such a stilted thing. Like we, we have one word for love and that kind of thing. So it's, it's hard to describe really big concepts like that until you experience them like we did at the conference where you kind of.
3: It kind of puts it all together. For yeah. you. It makes it all make sense. Everything that you, you've gone through and struggled with and all of the different parts of this journey that you're on, you know, it kind of puts it all together and you go, oh, so that's why that's why I felt like this at this time. And then at that time, and now I'm where I am now. And, and I'm, I'm kind of going down this path. And this is why sometimes I feel like this. And sometimes I feel like that. And you're like, huh, <laughs> that makes sense. this path, it. And you can, you can kind of graph different times you've been at different places in your life and how that makes sense. And it's kind of hard to refute it. I mean, it, it's there just, it's plainly there to see that this makes sense. There is no question or doubt of it is this real? Is this kind of just like some kind of like sham that they're trying to sell you? Or is this kind of, because you always kind of have that doubt of like, is, especially for me, yeah, like, this is, is this, way right? Too good. Yeah, is this is. right? Is this real? Is this something, you know, but when it plainly fits like a map to your life, you know that, it, that it's not, especially when you sit down at a table with a group full of people that all think exactly the way you do and you're having conversations and everybody is like, yeah, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did. Yep. Like <laughs> That's how I would do that too. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. This is how I would do that. And you're, it just, it fits. It all
0: speaking kind of fits. to the soul child. We, we have without oversharing, we have some grandchildren that are that age. We have this very beautiful, innocent, you know, five-ish child. That now when we see that person, we're like, Oh my goodness, look at you. Like you are, I think today we were asking this person about Christmas. What do you want for Christmas? And of course, you know I want to buy him a boat. You know, because I'm a seven, and and he's like, I want some M Ms because this kind of candy is really good, and I, and so we were just like, oh, man. the innocence of that state. He just thought chocolate M Ms were the bee's knees, and just wanted chocolate M Ms for Christmas. He's
3: still so innocent and sweet and wonderful. but We have. You know, older grandkids who are like, I want an iPad. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you can clearly see the difference if we've crossed that line. Right. You know, it's a, it's neat to also recognize that in the kids, the younger grandkids and the older grandkids, you know, where they have kind of crossed over and started to deal with the world and things that have happened in their lives. And, and ego
0: type. Yeah.
3: And kind of started to make that transition. You know. So this, tell
1: me, tell me a little bit about your soul child.
3: Um, so my soul child and and I have noticed in the just in the last maybe five years a transition before I even knew what the Enneagram was a transition to that where I I had been in a very very stressful situation in my life and I I got divorced and and kind of did a, a self-focus and got happy again and, and I found my husband and And I started into yoga and arts and like all these wonderful things that, and exercise and and became this person that I was happy with. And I feel like I've kind of started on that path without knowing the path that I was on. And now I have so much more fun in my life. And of course that makes sense because my soul child is a seven. So it it does, it all makes sense, much more sense. that that's a natural path for me, so
1: and how does it feel like, was there any kind of aha moment knowing that you're married to someone who you share a line with? I mean, he's the ego type seven and your soul
3: child is at the seven. How did that come out? Uh, it's interesting that you asked that question because our one table <laughs> had a, had a very specific conversation about that, how we were talking about how many of us were actually our partners were sevens. And a couple of us had partners that were sevens or had a partner that was, had a wing as a seven. And we thought that's interesting that our soulmate is a seven and we're a one given our soul child as a seven and our soulmate was a seven because I, I think that's a natural draw, you know, that they're just like this fun, you know, part, fun and giving and, you know, person. And then that's kind of what we're drawn to be because it's natural for us. So mm-hmm. I think that that's super interesting it makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. Well, you speak of, you know, the last five years kind of beginning, you know, I don't know if you put these words around it, but some sort of a spiritual journey of kind of Mm -hmm. self-discovery, self-remembering. Was there anything that you learned this weekend at the conference that you'll take with you for that journey? Any practice or any insight?
3: The thing that I learned the most, I, I learned a lot more just about how this works. Like I didn't really understand like the, the path and how it went from like around the circle from this to that. And then how the arrows, I didn't really understand that. Like I saw the, the triangle, the three, six, nine, and then the other one. And I'm like, well, how do you get from one to the other? And what I learned more was how one jumps from the other, the more specifics of it. I think I spend a lot of time already like in yoga and just doing things that are very, Spiritual for myself and into helping me stay me centered. And um, you
0: have a spiritual practice already yeah. that was
3: I, yeah. I do a lot of that, mm-hmm. and I feel like that helps me, that really helps me. So I feel like, if anything, it was just reassuring that I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure that I stay there <laughs> for
1: sure. Well, Joe, what questions do you have?
2: Well, I remember. After the conference was over down on the Gulf Coast, I asked Ben and Trina, what was different about this than other retreat conferences that they had gone to? And both of them had answers that were similar and it had to do with, this was a community. This was a community. And I'd love to know, can you flesh that out for us?
0: Yeah, I would say it was ecumenical from the point of view. And I mean that word to mean kind of inclusive of a lot of points of view, regardless of where that truth came from. If it comes from mountaintop in Tibet or, you know, comes from the Desert Fathers, whatever's true is still true. And I liked that approach. So you had people in the room that were definitely coming at this from different points of view. But at the same time, it was informing their point of view at the same time. So it was, it was, there was a give and take there. So I did enjoy that uh, communities, I think, are not communities of sameness so much as they're kind of communities of learning and growing with our differences. And so that was kind of neat that, that there was a lot, I have had challenging moments. I was like, oh, wow, everybody's dancing.
3: Okay. I like that everybody felt, <laughs> everybody was so welcoming. Yeah. Whether it was the people at your table or the people at another table, like each time we sat down for a meal, especially because we all got together for every meal, we sat with different people and everybody talked to everybody. There weren't like little groups that like stayed in groups away from each other. Everybody was sitting with everybody and talking to, you know, you you got to talk to all these different people who had conversations and were very open and shared and felt free to share everything about their lives and seemed like they cared about you and about your life and and what your experiences were most things that you go to everybody kind of keeps to themselves and to who they know
0: they're kind of sterile yeah, and, you stay in your little pod
3: and like, it over didn't, there yeah it didn't feel that way at all
0: all the people if, with glasses stayed together. Like
3: <laughs> and so that that was really nice that was really nice so you feel like I walked away with friends and I didn't expect that so There's a handful of people that I I still talk to now that kept in touch with and laugh with and text with, and and that's been really nice. I didn't expect to leave with friends. Mm -hmm.
2: Wow. Wow. And so getting down to a different layer, Ben, you are a physician. How is this going to change, if at all, or enhance, or is it going to do anything regarding your clinical work.
0: Wow, that's a great, I was actually considering this today. We're going through a difficult time with the world and vaccinations and different points of view on these things. And it's hard to have the same conversation with people and to be compassionate and to and to reconnect with your inner compassion with people who for whatever reason do or don't want to be vaccinated. And your your position is that you know, I would recommend that you would do that. But I have to have that conversation with people. And it it's tiring. It, boy, it'll take it out of you. Uh, to, to so part of that the weekend that was good for me in my practice was uh, okay, let's go back to the inner calm water that's there, whatever foamed up, lathered up exterior is, is going on. And I, I gotta quote Erica, I think she's she she did an eight. She gave she gave it a hand. She said, stop. She held up her hand. You know, wait that extra second, make a different choice. And so that's actually worked for me in the last week or, or two, is just to be stop, make a different choice, and try to reconnect with inner compassion, which is the whole reason you care for other people and people trust you to care for them is that you're you're coming at it from a place of compassion. So for me, it's kind of reconnecting with the holy compassion that I find at five when I'm kind of alone without all the other stuff.
3: Yeah, I think it helps me just knowing that there are so many different types of people, right? All these different ego types. When I'm struggling with understanding why somebody else isn't doing what I perceive to be the right thing, I try to remember that they have a whole reason that I don't know. Right, they're coming. at the, the perspective that they have is completely different. Probably, I don't know what their ego type is. I don't know why they're doing it the way they're doing it, and to just try to think about like my kids specifically are what I'm talking about. They have a reason. I don't know what it is, and try to try to accept that because that that's a struggle for me. Right, I have all grown children, and they have their own reasons for making the decisions that they're making, and maybe they're an ego type blank and they have their own reason. They feel like they're compelled to do it this way. So I'm gonna accept that that's why, whatever that way is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so just there's so many other types of people out there. It doesn't have to be this, mm-hmm. so.
1: Yeah, i found that the Enneagram has definitely helped me with my parenting style. It's, it's It's just added in a little bit more compassion.
3: Yes. And,
1: you know, as a one and myself as an eight, you know, we both are in that body triad where we're really concerned with our autonomy and having control mm-hmm. and, you know, to understand if you have, if you have a child that come is coming from a completely different perspective, for example, you know, the heart center or even the head center, I mean, it's just been real eye-opening for me to ease up and to let my kids have their own journey, you know. And and I, I want them to be strong, and I want them to have control over their lives. and And they may want something different, and that's okay, you know. So yeah, I completely resonate with what you just said there, and and it's freeing, really. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of freedom in learning that you know, we don't have control. We really never had control. And it's not really necessary to have control. What's really the most important thing is love. And I have to come back to that and remind myself of that constantly, you know, so.
3: when I'm pretty sure I have a, a son that is a four. And when he called this week and was just really, really struggling, I asked him, I said, are you... Are you asking for advice or are you just venting? And he's like, well, I called you, didn't I? I said, yes, you did. But did you call me to vent or are you asking for advice? Because those are two very different things. I'm perfectly willing to just listen. You can say whatever it is you need to say, or I can give you advice. You need to let me know which one you need That's right an now. awesome
0: conscious moment. Because
3: i really wanted to tell him exactly how to handle that problem <laughs> no such wisdom there yeah <laughs> but it's it's really hard not to just say but this is how you should do this thing how come it's not clear to you this is how you should do this thing so it was really difficult to just tell him how this should be handled but mm-hmm. i i wanted to be sure what it was that he needed for me in the moment mm-hmm. so. Yeah.
0: it's pretty great when you, especially as, as a married couple too, experiencing the Enneagram. I mean, it's, it's not just the Enneagram of personality, you know, I mean, there's, there are strengths here that, I mean, I knew my wife was brilliant, but like now I have more See. reason why, like she's a one, she just knows <laughs> like if this gear turns and it's connected to these 11 gears in a, in a turnbuckle, which way does this gear turn? She's like, that one turns left and there's nothing you can do to change it. That one's supposed to turn left. It, <laughs> I don't know what voodoo you did to mess it up and make it turn right, but it's supposed to turn left. And and what I'm kind of learning the longer that I kind of live with the Enneagram and interact with you, it's, yeah, you know, is it, you should just trust one. Just trust them. They'll probably run your business way more efficiently than you'll ever think of yourself. And and they do it instinctively. It's just kind of they're like they're good at it. So rather than trying to figure out how to keep track of the paper clips, you kind of just trust them. They just do the thing. They're really good at it. So
3: hmm so, Yeah,
0: it's part of I think it's part of just being. I plan the party though. It's a good party. You
3: can plan the office party. Day.
1: <laughs> well, do you guys have any questions for Dr. Howe? Is there anything that comes to mind? Notice I said for Dr. Howe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, Erica, you did really good. You had you had some good stuff. I hope people come experience Erica in person. She's really a good presenter. And she's very, very easy to listen to. And she's, and she's able to kind of, she's got this eight ability to just be like, okay, red tape, cut through. Here's here's the bottom line up front.
3: With a nice side of comedy, too. Yes. So that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, thank you. That's very sweet.
0: So. What, what will we ask Dr. Powell? When's the next book out?
1: Oh, great question. Oh,
2: it's it's in the cooker Mail. Then. Oh man! Um, and I wrote it with Trina in mind.
3: <laughs> uh,
2: it's in the editing process right now, but it, hopefully it will be out next year. Thank right. you for your question.
3: And so, what's next? Like we did this conference, and then what do you do? Then what what comes next?
2: Well, if you're interested you can become a part of our family and join the training, but you don't have to. There are other ways you can be involved with us by, for example, the podcast and the Awakenings group that meets every Sunday afternoon via Zoom and also in person. And uh, there are other conferences and events that we do. But if you wanted to really learn this in more depth, we have three times a year when we meet from a Thursday evening to a Saturday morning at a uh, beautiful conference center near Birmingham, Alabama. And we go into much more detail. It's a much more, it's a much deeper dive, and we get to know each other better and well, Erica, maybe you can flesh that out a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, we like you said, it's three weekends a year. The way we set it up is each weekend we hit a different intelligence center. So we have the heart center, then we have the mind center, then we have body center. And then as a scholar, the, the first part of the program, you know, we, we go into more information about You know, when you left the conference and you had ideas, you had questions about, well, I'm not sure how all these numbers go around and how that works. We really kind of go deeper so that you have a real good grasp on all of that integration, disintegration, the soul child concepts, that kind of thing. We go into the virtues, the passions, the holy ideas. You learn a lot more about those types of things because we believe that as you bring awareness to the different parts of your ego, as well as your soul. It's that awareness that you were talking about where, you know, we increase the space between the stimulus and the response. We can say, stop, I'm going to have a different response this time, but you have to have some awareness before you get there, you know? So mm-hmm. we do a lot of that. So it's a community. We have all of our meals together. You are in a mentor group. So you develop a pretty solid group of people that you go through the process with. And I know I went through it. I became very close with my fellow people in my mentor group because we were really going deep together. And so there's something to that. And then of course, you know, we originally just had the scholars program, but then the scholars wanted more. So we created the master's program and the master's program, we do an even deeper dive. And, and just when you think you've learned everything you can about the Enneagram, you learn that there's so much more. <laughs> that's one of the things that's fascinating to me about it is as much as I know, I realize how little I know and how much more there is to grasp and understand. And then our masters asked for more and we created deepening roots. And so there's different you know, levels you can go through, but. It's a wonderful experience away. It's a time to take a pause out of all the things that are hitting us constantly from life. I have a very busy career, you know, as a cardiology nurse practitioner and a mother of three boys. And, you know, there's just so much going on in my life. And these training sessions three times a year, it's always so welcome. It's to get away to, to camp, to be with my people, my fellow seekers to just kind of rest in in community and have an opportunity to learn. And there's never a weekend that I walk away and wish I had spent it a different way. Not one time. And I've been doing this since, I don't know, 2015 or 16. There's never been one time that I wasn't deeply grateful for that time away with the wonderful people. There's so much, so much learning involved and good music and spiritual practices that you know, you can easily get in a rut with your spiritual practice, and you get away to these weekends and realize, oh, this is something I really could incorporate to kind of, you know, get off the plateau effect of where things feel dull, and you, you know what I mean. So, anyway, I, that's way too much. That's probably more than what you asked for, but that's kind of what it's been. No, for me. it's good
0: to know. There's there's like a there's another way. There's more.
1: So, more.
3: when is the next one? It's um, January
2: 20th through 22nd.
1: And it's, all of that's on our website too. So if you go to theicb.org and you go to events, all of our, for 2022, all the dates are listed out so you can look at that against your calendar and see if, if that works or if you're interested. But the next one is in January. And then I think it's usually January, May, and September is what the dates okay. usually are.
0: We, but as far as doing this first one that we did, it covered all the bases I think you would need to know. If you didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about the Enneagram, this is a great place to start. Because there is a, an introduction and you're allowed to. It's tough when you're adults. It's like we don't allow ourselves to not know anything about a subject. You know, like we got like walk up on experts on cardiology, you know, I mean. Shoot, I've, I've had a brief exposure. I don't know everything there is to know about cardiology, you know. So there's a moment where you kind of got to allow yourself to be childlike about a subject and raise your hand and say, I, "I don't understand that." Like, how did you go from one to seven? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then, and then, oh, like you need to have those moments where it's okay and and your oops moments are tolerated. And this is a good place to be childlike when it comes to the Indian gram because. Kind of the whole purpose of the weekend is, is really kind of, I love your concrete example, uh, but to, to find that the child, and, and it's, it's just a, a nice introduction. So I didn't feel like, nor was it too slow, nor was it too basic, nor was it too fast, nor was it too, it was just, or too complex. It was kind of like, Hey guys, here's the stuff. We're going to experience it together. And there's just kind of a, it
3: was a good, comfortable space to learn yes. and to ask questions without feeling out of place to ask questions and it prompted a lot of good conversation for us. You know, we were having a lot of talks. Like, you know, we were sitting sitting up late into a the room, just, night, talking we sat to sat just talking each other. Up eleven
0: thirty, just talking. Like you know, we had, really had just met.
3: conversations. And, uh, so that was really nice too. You know, that, that was something that we took away from it. that was really nice, is the conversations mm-hmm. and stuff that we were having. So yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, we often recommend that people go to a conference first, and because uh, because of that, for that reason, kind of gives you that introductory. So, well, I definitely want to thank you guys for joining us today on this podcast.
3: Thank Uh, you for having us. It's
1: been great to see you again. And I hope we get to see you again. I hope we get to develop a friendship in the future. You know, I have that seven wing. So, and you may have that eight wing, I don't know. So anyway, hopefully we'll get to spend more time in the future. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And if you have any questions or comments, you can find us at theicb.org or you can email us at therealenneagram at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So thank you both for joining us and thank you, Dr. Howe, as well.
0: That wraps up another episode of The Real Enneagram, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. If you're interested in furthering these conversations, please reach out to us through our Instagram at The Real Enneagram. Or if you're interested in our upcoming trainings or other resources, please visit our website, www.instituteforconsciousbeing.org. Thanks for listening.